Footy Prime, the podcast is brought to you by Tony Bet, official sponsor of the CPL and presenting sponsor of Canada's unofficial voice of footy. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Footy Prime, the podcast. Good Sunday evening, football fans. Welcome to Footy Prime, the podcast. Sharman here along with... Dunlop and Forrest, the day after Chelsea were crowned European champions. We'll get to that very, very shortly. We'll also talk some uh, other stories making the rounds this day. Um, lots of rumours, of course. Ronaldo, is he going to be following Jose Mourinho to, to Roma? Could that be possible? Is Poch returning to Spurs? My God, is, is De Bruyne missing out on Euro? Speaking of Kevin De Bruyne, let's get right to it, Shay boys. European Cup final. We all picked Chelsea to win it. So, I mean, we look pretty good right now. Um, listen, I, I know Pep's being hammered right now. Um, they all chestnut. Oh, he, he overthought it once again. Too much overthinking on Pep's side of things. Did he, Craig? Is that part of the problem here with, with his tactical setup? Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. I really think that uh, he had a plan, obviously. Um, leaving out a few individuals was a, a bit of a surprise. But Chelsea, you got to credit them. They did an incredible job. They effectively played five at the back and uh, two central and very, very, very stubborn in their in their approach, but still just created something too. I, I thought, I thoroughly thought they deserved it over the 90 minutes, but Take nothing away exactly as, away from City as well over the season. Like we, they they didn't play well. They stumbled over this ninety minutes, but overall the season was great for them. And uh, they'll be disappointed, obviously. And Aguero going out this way uh, doesn't really taste well. But uh, uh, like I gotta say, it's a good, good season for them. Did they just stumbled on the final block? And Chelsea with a really crazy season with Frank Lampard. Uh, being uh, sacked, I believe, what was it, 25th of January or something like that. And then Juco coming in and doing an incredible job, really good job. And then I thought the pressure was on them. 
although they did get in the top four, luckily, even though they lost the last game in that season. Um, but the, uh, the pressure was on them after losing the FA Cup final too. Okay, nice guy. I, I can see you, the, your, the suit that you're wearing there because you're, you're being very polite. Uh, I'll hammer him. Pep out. Pep out. Done. Can't do it in big games. Total mess. You say hindsight is twenty twenty. Well, hindsight started at one thirty in the afternoon. The match kicked off at 3. When I saw the team sheet, that wasn't the best 11. What are you doing? Why is, why is Joel Cancelo on the bench? And that's not even the first one. That was just my personal Portuguese interest. You know, Sterling had been horrendous. Man City fans that had their hearts in their throats just didn't see the team sheet. And he didn't adapt quick enough, and he didn't adapt. So I blame Pep. It's, it's so odd, isn't it? Because I think we can all say that they were, they were questionable selections, but this is Pep Guardiola. Who the hell am I? Who the hell are we to say, wow, man, Pep, you got it all wrong tactically? Like, who the fuck are we to say that? He had an idea in his mind that he thought could win. Generally speaking, Pep gets it right. Now, admittedly, Champions League, there's been some occasions over the last number of years where eyebrows have been raised with, with selections and guys not making the starting 11s. But I just have a real, I feel uncomfortable criticizing Pep Guardiola sometimes. He must have had a reason. It didn't work in the end. And you're right, they had no muscle in that midfield. But at the same time, like Craig alluded to, they'd be... Chelsea were really good, right? I mean, my God, you mentioned there were, there were two two defensive midfielders. There were three, right? Because N'Golo Kante is two men. He's yes. not one man. I mean, my God, have you seen a better performance from a guy in that position? I mean, he made Claude Makélélé look like, I don't know, Robbie o, Ronnie O'Brien. <laughs> I mean, with respect to Ronnie O'Brien. I mean, sweet Jesus, this guy was absolutely everywhere. And... My God, maybe that partly was because there was no one in that midfield to go up against him in, in City. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that you kind of have a different tempo set if Fernandinho is there, for one. And, you know, even in, including the De Bruyne injury, let's be honest, uh, he was invisible. Up until the injury, I thought De Bruyne didn't have an impact on the game whatsoever. And how many games, you know, can we count uh, where that's been the case? I think that's the shocker is that, you're right. Pep gets so much right, but these moments in which he's got it wrong and when it's backfired, it just seems like it's hard not to think that he was overthinking it because it seems like he complicated things for himself and team selection seems to be the, the most obvious one. Yes, Chelsea played out of their skin and played the, absolutely the game that, that you know they needed to play. They also could have been up 2-0 in the first half if, uh, if Timo Werner could finish, but he's got the confidence of me and luckily it was Kai Havertz in that situation. Uh, when Ederson came out and, and made the error and not Timo Werner. Because if it had been, I don't think it would, Chelsea would have had the goal there. I think that, you know, he certainly had concerns about the two wide players and, and thinking that he didn't need an extra, you know, Fernandinho in the middle. Um, Havertz and Mount were stuck to the wings for the most part and giving them really good width. And then they tucked in as well defensively. It was, uh, yeah, it was really well done. So it gave Pep some thought as well because Tuchel has done really well against him recently but when they're in Germany Pep had his numbers so it's uh it's an interesting one but Tuchel's done a great job as far as setting his team up discipline and uh again yeah Kante is just absolutely something but do we see the the, the fractures in the city team for a while now I'm looking at their last number of games and you know I know they beat Everton 5-0 last game of the campaign, but they lost to Brighton 
the week before that, that they just beat Newcastle 4-3. Remember that one? Newcastle were all over. I know they were a man down in that one. Um, Chelsea then beat them, of course, in the FA Cup 2-1. Uh, you know, these, this is not vintage City for, for a number of weeks just yet. So could it be they're burning out? I mean, we criticise the selections, you know, non-selections of Fernandinho, et cetera. Maybe there's a reason for that. This is an older guy. Maybe he's burnt out. De Bruyne, like you mentioned, was invisible. He looked to me like he was exhausted as well, as well as Chelsea played. Could that be part of the issue? Well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely that to think about too. If you look at their schedule and how busy it's been with all the travel games, I think they basically played midweek every midweek. So, yeah, they're tired for sure. No question. And then they're thinking, you've got this international tournament. Take about four days off, and then you're you're back in it with the, your national teams. Wild the the congestion of this whole year. We talked about it, you know, as fans, just uh, how consuming it was for these players. Obviously, it's it's been exhausting, and we always see that you know uh, the uptick in injuries um, when the congestion is kind of the way it is, and it happens to you know some of the most important players and key figures at absolutely the worst time. So, did you did you watch the CBS broadcast? I quite enjoyed the halftime coverage on CBS. Um, I think Kate Abdo is a phenomenal host, Micah Richards and and Carragher and Roberto Martinez. And I was waiting post, like, how, when is she going to ask Roberto Martinez about De Bruyne? When is she going to ask about De Bruyne? And he'd said that, you know, he can't adjust it. Uh, he, he can't really analyze things until he speaks with him and speaks with other people. But from the looks of it, obviously his, his heart was in his throat immediately. He hopes he's okay. And uh, he, initially he'd planned to give him a few days off before joining up with the team. Now, God, he's just praying that he can be involved. So it's amazing how things change in 90 minutes. Broken nose and a broken orbital. Craig, does he make Euro? Oh, boy. It's two weeks away. Wow. I'd be surprised, honestly. I mean... No, I mean, really? um, It's two weeks away. No, I I can't see it, honestly. Now, I know they're they're extended squads now, so even say say you think, okay, well, he might be available for for a semi-final or a quarter-final, so you, you might still bring him now with the extended squads. But even then, I mean, you assume there's a concussion, right? Um, and a broken orbital is a nasty injury. And it's not, you know, like a lot of injuries. It's, it does recover quite well. But in football, you're using your head a fair amount. And you can't do that with, with that kind of injury. Would you risk it there, B? Would you risk bringing him? I think you, yeah, I think you risk bringing him because you have the expanded squad. And let's be honest, at the chance that he's available, he can be one of the best players on the pitch at, you know, 70%. Um, so, yeah, I think you got to, I think you got to take him, Craig. Oh, I think so. Um, well, I mean, again, you, you, we don't know the extent of it either. Like, uh, you know, we know that what they say it is, but how badly is it uh, damaged? And, how dangerous is it to his safety and his health down the road? We don't know that. So if it's, if it's not as bad as it sounds, because it sounds really bad, and I've seen really bad ones before. I remember Peter Beardsley had a compressed, fractured cheekbone. How could you tell? How could you tell? Well, that's it. Cutie pie. <laughs> What you know, if, a compression fracture is different to a fracture fracture, right? And they're all horrible injuries, but perhaps one's not going to affect you long-term if, if you get back a little bit too soon, I suppose. Hmm. 
But with oh. concussions, you want to be so careful. My, my question is, who returns quicker? Is it De Bruyne or is it John Tavares? <laughs> you need Tavares to show up. I don't think he's going to be available for Monday. <laughs> I don't think so. Because uh, I don't know if you're getting a second round, you know. Oh, Canadians, it's going to be great. What a Shocking. Shit show. Uh, before we talk about your blue and white that caused you a lot of pain Saturday night charms, uh, I just want to get the opinion of the two of you. The collision, De Bruyne and Rudiger. Did you think that Rudiger was lucky to get away with just a yellow? Did it seem as though you know Rudiger could have avoided it or that he kind of threw his shoulder into his face? Because the more I watched it, the more I thought, ah, maybe there was intention to really, oh, I know who this is. Let me let him really feel this. Yeah, I, I mean, Craig, you... <laughs> As usual, the, the slow-mo replay doesn't really do it justice. Mm. And it's so hard to tell from that when we watch it four or five times. I can see maybe some intent there. This is a physical game. And Rudiger's a very physical player as well. Mm. I, I don't think he was malicious. Um, could it have been a red card? Perhaps. Well, I but thought the I, referee, I, under the circumstances, knew it was going to be a physical game, decided, okay, we're going to let them play a certain amount. And he wasn't going to get too much involved. I thought he did a really good job on the occasion i mean if they got see got sent off or two like i mean it was oh my goodness a debate and then yeah no yeah. i thought it was the right decision i think if in the in the in the game uh, spirit of the game i don't think that it was uh deserved really it was a firm for sure yeah yeah and i think you're right it was going to be a physical battle he knew that and i think from the opening kickoff the players were aware of the way he was going to officiate it too so I don't think it was malicious, B, to answer your question. I, I was fine with the yellow as well. Um, have I seen reds for less? Of course. But I, I think it's just that's the type of game it was. It's a big occasion, and it's unfortunate that that's the end result. Guys but, get, I mean... Don't guys get sent off or like, oh, my, like these days, holy jeez, they're going for a firm challenge or even or even a missed time one, you know. Like, uh, you know, we saw Alfonso got... Davies got sent off for Bayern Munich with it threw the ball in, bad touch, little lazy, little like lunged in, but it's like, oh, it's like there's not there's not intent there. Yeah, it was a danger. Wow. I mean reckless perhaps, but I mean but people forget a red card should be it should be and it always was an extremely um egregious. Egregious for an egregious act and it's a very serious offense and a red card is a big deal. Now it's become less and less of a big deal. For that, like you mentioned there, for, for mistiming, for recklessness. And to a certain point, okay, I get it. But I think we see too many red cards. So, you know, it's a bit of a throwback, wasn't it? <laughs> to, yeah. to when men were men. Yeah. I mean, that nonsense. What we see now is you, you, you really have to teach and coach players to stay on their feet as much as they can. Um, was, it, was it Tuchel I heard that uh, does set-piece training with tennis balls? They have to I hold didn't hear that. Really? Balls. Why? That's what they should do in games. So they can't grab. So they can't actually foul. Oh, so the training is they're holding the balls. Oh, really? Okay, that's interesting. So you think they should do that in matches? Every player should be holding mm-hmm. tennis balls. That's what they should do. They should all throw them <laughs> tennis ball. There you go. Try to grab a hold of me now. <laughs> Back in the day in training, though, <laughs> if you guys had done that, it would have been the same way that you you know you had a Friday night out where you just you tape the big bottle of liquor to your hand and you, you can't can't take it off until you finish the bottle, right? You imagine though, I mean, think about the uh, the opportunity to make more money though. They could get you know I don't know who, who's an ex- who who makes tennis balls. 
Dunlop. Dunlop, of course, Dunlop. <laughs> Would pay hundreds of millions to be the official tennis ball supplier of soccer. Yeah. Be amazing. Every everybody in the box on a set piece has to have a tennis ball on both hands. Yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> it's a great idea. I hey, love listen. That. Thomas Tuchel, by the way. I mean, what a story that has now become. It's funny, you know, the last number of weeks we've been saying this actually could be a really bad season for Tuchel. People yeah. are saying he could get fired. He could have blown the FA Cup. He could have blown um, the top four and the Champions League. In the end, top four on Champions League, pretty great season. And what I found was was amazing. He met Abramovich for the first time post-match on the field. That's the first time they've actually met face-to-face. It's because it's the only t- place that they could meet because Abramovich isn't allowed in England. That Right. That's that, right. that must be it. That where, was the reason. I don't know where he's been living, but that he got expelled around the Brexit thing, right? Where was it? He took up citizenship in Israel. Israel, that's right. Yeah, Israel. So now we have the answer. We have the answer as to why they relocated from Istanbul instead of to Wembley, which made perfect sense, but then Roman couldn't go. So put it in another English place, Portugal. (laughs) I think he can go. He's just worried about getting, uh, getting taken. Or maybe it's like a Maradona situation. He gets both watches taken off his wrist and he ends up in an IRS jail. Same, same deal. Well, it's, it's a little bit sticky situation the, for him. The, that way. He went for his visa and that was in a long process and it didn't look as though he was going to get it. And then the, I think there was a, a woman from was it Kazakhstan. She's wife of a guy who embezzled a whole bunch of money and they have to have this, this approve your wealth thing in England now which never existed before. So all these billionaires have to prove where it came from. And it's a war oligarchs. It's not fair. It's not right. I'm going to Israel (laughs) to hell with you all. Yeah. That's a much more stable country. Wow. But I mean, but Tuchel, I mean, he's come in and he's changed things around with the same players that he Lampard had essentially. Um, Looking at the next season, he's got a summer now. Chelsea will spend again. We know that. He'll get his players in there. How far away is Chelsea from competing for a championship? I think they could be right up the next year from what I've seen from, from Chelsea and, and from Tuchel so far. Give them an actual full preseason and a transfer window. Yeah. They're European champs, after all. Well, we've seen this, seen that, sir, as we talked about Di Matteo as well. The two guys, out of all the managers, the big names, all the list of managers they've had, Di Matteo and Tuchel are the two Champions League winners. And he got fired what in Christmas Jan- PSG. Uh, oh, yeah, right. Yeah, from PSG, right. And they're desperate to win the tournament. City are desperate to win it. So basically what you're saying is when Aston Villa get relegated and Thomas Tuchel takes over in a couple of years, this is what I get to look forward to. Guaranteed European success. <laughs> they're linked together. I mean, that, you might, is- you, that year you might win the, the Community League. <laughs> Yeah. It is pretty wild. You know, we talked so much about City and we all picked City to win, of course, but like credit to Chelsea and congrats to those fans because it's Chelsea. Hey, yeah, Craig picked pick Chelsea. Oh, you picked Chelsea. Oh, right. you did. He's in a flyer right now, like a big heater is Forrest. I'm sorry that the social media guy didn't put together a reel, to, you know, with your sh- with your pick. Um, we'll, we'll get on that. We'll get on that. Well, it seems so absurd at the time, right? So, hey, fair enough. How can it, it can't be? Remember, I said after this, I said it, anything can happen in 90 minutes. If you're Chelsea going into that game, you absolutely think you got a shot. Well, all the pressure was on City, wasn't it? All the pressure. It was for them to lose, yeah. It was City's, City's tournament, yeah. 
What did you think of the goal and Ederson? Because we're talking about you know potential red cards. If Havertz doesn't put that in, then he Ederson would have been sent off. Yeah, yeah. No, it was interesting, wasn't it? And also, too, the touch that Havertz took. If if that hand doesn't touch the ball, Havertz isn't getting to the end of that ball. He took such a heavy touch to put it around him. He was going to put it out. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, into really. an angle where he wouldn't have been able or to get to it. Score, there would have been all sorts of decisions going on. Havertz hmm. has played pretty goal. well this year in fairness, hasn't he? You know, people try and lump him in with with Werner. I thought Havertz has been very good the last little while, especially Werner, not so much. But I still think Werner will be will come good, and that's why I'm looking at the next season and thinking, watch out for Chelsea. Yeah, because if these players, you know, if Werner does find some confidence from somewhere, we know what he can do. Right, he's a very very good striker. Um, and if he brings in a couple of players, there's no reason why they can't be in that conversation, I don't think. I agree with you there because you look at this squad with the exception of at center back, that's really the only weakness or the only spot where I think these players aren't going to get better. Another year, there'll be no, right. more improvement, even better. Um, I think that you know Thiago and Christensen or Rudiger, Zuma, whatever the combination may be, I still think the defense is, is good enough to contend. They'll still be a top four team. Um, but really, when it comes to looking at transfers, that's the only one where I think, okay, maybe go out and splash the cash because you, you can't take uh, as much of a risk. But all the other positions, I just think they're going to get better. How about um, within a year, we have a Canadian and American both winning the Champions League final. Amazing. Seriously, eh? I'll, I'll be honest. I was happy that Pulisic didn't score because I said, Fonzie didn't score. You can't score either, America. But I'm happy that he won in the end. I think it's it's pretty awesome for North American soccer. Um what a time. What a time. He was great post-match too. You know, he's wearing his US shirt and uh, he pulled the old, you know, a lot of players have said it before, but actually, if, if I can inspire a kid back home, then it's worth it. And he has. There's, you can guarantee it. The US are going to be a pretty good team. They're a pretty good team now, actually. They're yeah, only going they to get better. Some, they got some decent players and they got to, yeah. It's, it, it's too bad that the Americans just generally don't understand this tournament they don't understand that they'll look at everything and okay the world cup world cup but for a professional footballer this is the champions league and getting to the final like you have to be the best of the best just to be in the squad forget about you starting on the bench everybody's like oh he's starting on the bench are you freaking kidding me no one flukes a european cup do they no they're always i mean okay you might get the odd porto right who was superbly coached in fairness and had some really sure. good players, Inter- right? Inter, when they won it with um, with Mourinho, where they got outshot twenty three to one, I think. Right, but mm-hmm. they're still great, great teams, right? They might not be the best team in Europe necessarily, but they find a way. But generally speaking, you don't fluke a European Cup, and you don't get a Leicester, for example, finding a way. You might get a, a late run by a by a team that perhaps shouldn't necessarily be where they are. Sure, you but, have uh, run, but you're gonna you got to have some quality. You're gonna be a really good side. Mm-hmm. to get there and to play in the quarters, semis and finals period, like in that tournament, that's the pinnacle European champions league for a footballer. You're, you're in the quarter semis and any of those teams, you, you're, you're some player. Well, two Americans, right. In the final, obviously Stefan didn't play, but still it's. Uh... Talking about goalkeepers that didn't play. I was very happy to see Willie Caballero lift another trophy. And that guy is a party. 
You would never know he was the third. He was the third keeper. Did you see him dancing in the dressing room in the change room? Oh, he was great. And up on the stage, he, I think he hugged Seferin and picked him up. But it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. When you're in, you play long enough. Luckily, if you stay healthy enough, you'll end up being in that position. And I ended up being in that position, second or third goalkeeper. I'll tell you what, when you're in your 30s at a stage, it is fun. It is. People don't yeah. understand how much fun it is. That's why Carlo Cudicini just uh, took the check and uh, went to training every day for seven years knowing he'd never play. That's right. Richard Wright, he was uh, fourth string at Man City. He was doing that for four years. He's making a million pounds a year. Fourth string. He never actually played a game in four years, ever. You're just training, basically, right? That's your, you're a professional trainer. Yeah, and Frank, remember uh, at that time, or before he was there, Frank Yallop had him out in... Uh, uh, San Jose and wanted him to sign but couldn't pay anywhere near that and he had to play so he went to Man City didn't play and now he's a goalkeeper coach there he's probably making 750 grand amazing be a pretty sweet job yeah being a coach a goalkeeper coach too right what are you doing, Craig? You could, you could probably walk well, into a job somewhere. It, it is at certain clubs, but generally speaking, you're 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 not paying a, a great deal of money. No, I guess not. That's probably no. why Mourinho never ended up taking his goalkeeper coach at the last time to Spurs because they probably were like, okay, there's a limit here of what we're paying players or coaches, and I bet you they're getting a good whack. So, in the whole hierarchy of coaching, the coaching hierarchy, the ladder is a goalkeeping coach right at the bottom. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> is he is he below even like the throw in coach? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> you think the throw in coach is less important than the goalkeeper coach? Well, if that's all he does, <laughs> that's his job. Nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, all right, boys. We should um, some some news and notes here. We should probably touch on because by the time this airs, who knows what's happened? But lots of rumors about Poch being. Lure back to Spurs now. He's also the bookie's choice to go to Real Madrid now as well, in fairness. Now, so you got a choice. Real Madrid, Tottenham. Current Tottenham. Easy choice, you think, right? But is the... Could you see him heading back to Spurs? First thing would be like, is Harry Kane staying or is he Yeah, going? exactly. Maybe that's, that's Spurs why they'll throw money at Poch. Can you convince Harry to stay, perhaps? I think that's or, exactly it. Or he gets a... Uh... 150 million to spend. He figures you can from the from the sale do that well yeah. from the sale. Yeah, yeah. Because after COVID, if they keep, you know, they're going to have to give Harry a pay bump to keep him. And mm-hmm. I can't see Daniel Levy wanting to spend that much money. The, the thought must be, oh God, Poch, you got the best out of this lot. You know, primarily this lot before. Please do it again. Let me give you. Let me give you uh, three million or four million or whatever it is as opposed to spending. 50 to to find some dutch winger that's going to save me <laughs> i don't think he's coming for three or four million to be honest with you. uh yeah you're probably right what well, is well, did Mourinho, was on, hmm? Mourinho was it not seven million he went to roma for he's well, still one of the highest paid guys conte inter was on 24 million oh i gotta be totally 24 wrong. million euros no sorry it wasn't pounds it was euros still not bad and he walked and he walked <laughs> He wants more. He's not happy with the uh, the transfer policy, having won it. Like, yeah, because they got Christ. no money left. They're giving it to him. Bloody coach. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. 
Um, you mentioned Mourinho. He's he's apparently uh, trying to seduce Ronaldo to come to Roma. Can you see? Can you see him in that that kit? Absolutely not. Why would he stay in? Why would he stay in Italy to not, you know, win titles? Uh, Roma are just too far off, and we all are just assuming that he enjoyed playing under Mourinho. I don't think that he truly did. And I you look at all the either. I know. Look I at all the winning. Well, look at all the winning that happened afterwards. And and I also thought too. You know, it, it looked like Fernando Santos was, you know, walking on eggshells and always the threat of like, oh, Mourinho's unemployed. He could take the Portugal job. He could take the Portugal job. And the fact that that never materialized, I always felt like well, Ronaldo has a huge say in this. If and if, if Ronaldo wanted him, he'd be there. So I guess I think also it's just winning winning Euro kind of gives you a little bit of leverage too if you're the coach. Ronaldo being the most the winningest player and coach because no, well, well no, I was actually giving Santos some uh, some credit there. Well, but if you look at the photos, I know Ronaldo I remember the final. Come on. <laughs> Just yelling on the bench doesn't make you a coach. I'm I'm only teasing. That was your goalkeeper, Danny. I think you're absolutely right. I think that if he if he really wanted him to be the manager of the Portuguese team, I think he would be. I think you're right. I think he's got a lot lot to say. And rightly so. Maybe it's just Mourinho trying to, you know, get on the right side of the Roma fans, saying, "Listen, I'm trying, trying to get the Ronaldo here for you." Trying. I, I also miserably, but I also think that the American owners would uh, happily write that check uh, if Jose says, "Look, I can get Ronaldo." Then they, what a, you know, what an easy sale. They they want to elevate their status in the Serie A and get back to the top. I could, I can definitely see the appeal to Roma to want to spend the money to bring. Ronaldo in at the hopes of elevating them in the league and certainly their brand, but I just don't think it would it would happen. I don't think it's a good move. I don't think he's not going to make them any better, is he? At this point, and listen, I know he's a great finisher, almost thirty goals for Christ's sake last year in Syria, but he's not going to make Roma better. Well, I don't. I think he would make them better. I just think that they're too far off. Like for example, if he went to United now, who need a finisher, it seems like, and you know are are quite a few steps behind City. Don't you think he makes United better? You know, well, that's a good question because I mean, he's such a different player now than when he was there last time, right? And the Premier League is very different to the Serie, A, right? It's far more athletic than the Serie. A. So you wonder if a guy he's thirty six now. He's thirty six, right? Yeah, but don't you know this is the time for old guys? Like you guys should be celebrating. This is the time, Elio. Oh, we're, Cast- we're in our peak. Elio Castroneves, forty six years old, just won his fourth Indy five hundred. He's been my favorite. He's been my favorite driver for 21 years, guys, and he's and he just won again, because he's Brazilian and because he's a phenomenal driver. Uh, Beautiful, big smile, really likable guy. Uh, His last one was a few years ago. Remember, he had that tax uh, evasion uh, thing. He got he got arrested (laughs) or threatened to be arrested, and uh, yeah, it was it was horrible. And then he ended up getting getting a, a ride to race in the Indy 500, and then he won. And he was hugely emotional. That was like seven years ago, eight years ago. That was his first win? This No, that was his third. And now his oh, fourth. His oh, okay, so this is his first one in seven years today. This He won the Indy 500 for the fourth the time. fourth time, career. but his first one in seven years, though. I forget when the Give third one was. It's but been yes, a while, though, right? It's been a, it's been a handful of years. Well, what a lovely story. Big Phil Mickelson. That's, what I'm That's true, yeah, of course. You're right. Tom, Tom Brady. Jason you know, Spezza. I was... <laughs> You beat me to it, man. That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. You're right. Us old guys are doing all right. Well, some are. Some are. God. Um, 
Brentford. Amazing. You got your wish, B. They're Amazing. in the Prem for the first time. Well, first time in well, the top division for the first time in how many years? 70, 70 years or something? 74 years it was, yeah. Yep. Gregor, I think Gregor tweeted it. Incredible. I mean, we talked about them being a team that have to continually sell their best players and reinvent themselves. And, uh, you know, just a, a club that not a lot of people outside of London know, but have a real big footprint and seem like a good club, you know, with a, I can't speak of their purity, but I did feel as though, what a good football story to see a team like that, you know, get rewarded and, and work their way up to the top. And I, I'd back them to stay up, to be honest. It's um, interesting how, you know, they're, they're just a, uh in the London landscape of football they're they get smothered and uh, interesting how they, they get, uh, I think it was 400 grand a year for investing in your youth development system. So they did that. And they also threw in another million and a half. And then they were having players poached before they could even get them signed. So they scrapped it. And then they figured, which is a smart move thinking, okay, we're, We'll let the clubs, especially in London, these Premier League clubs with the academy spending millions, yeah, they're going to take the cream of the crop. But at the end of the day, they're going to pick up a lot of these kids that are being released that are still, you know, you don't really know where they're going. Late developers pick them up on the cheap. And then they're hungry. And they've done a really good job at that, doing that. And it's worked. I mean, if you can't live in the world where the rules are stacked against you, you better come up with another idea. And they how, will their, how, how will their, um, their, their model work in the Premier League? Will they be allowed to? Will they need to throw some money at an academy? I, I forget now if there's any, any rules in place. No? No, I don't think there's any rule that you have to. I think they were just trying to help them do that. To, but they were like, well, it was costing us a million and a half. We're getting, we said, forget it. Keep your money. And we'll... Uh, spend that million out that we're wasting. Mm-hmm. And it is, it is stacked against you. I look like a club. I actually was talking to Frank Gallup about this and about how Ipswich, you know, the success that they had 30, 40 years ago uh, was development. But now we're seeing young players. They're not making the first team. They're not getting poached before they're of age, but they're getting you know, peanuts. The one kid, the Canadian kid went to Arsenal for a half a million pounds. Another kid went to the city for a million. So yeah, you're getting a few quid here and there, but they're not actually playing in your first team. You know, before at least Ipswich got them in the first team, got some use out of them. And then, then they would then leave after that. So mm-hmm. tough world to survive in if you're going to. And they're going to have to Chelsea. They've got a million players. They're going to have to be creative again. I mean, uh, I, I hope that they don't take the cash like Fulham and, and Villa and just try and spend it all, spend all $100 million, um, because they're going to overpay. That's never really worked for them. I think they can still be creative and find ways. If they get to keep that Ivan Tony who they spent $10 million for and they're probably going to be fielding offers of $35 million, maybe from his old club, Newcastle. Uh, deserve it of maybe maybe a move, but if they can kind of keep that unit together and invest the way that they have been, um, I think they can do a much better job than Norwich and West Brom, who have tried ways of not spending and just you know collect the uh, parachute payment again. Yeah, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a tough world to live in. They'll understand that. Um, collect the money, uh, make yourself in a better position if you do get relegated. But your goal is to finish seventeenth. 
in the league. And another decision you have to make when you're building a team for the Premier League is that what do you do and what did you say prior to you going up uh, to the players or the players would like to know where they stand? Do we get uh, hoofed out? We win the, the final and we're not a part of the future or do they say, you know, the mass majority, of you will be part of it. We're going to stick with you. We, we believe in you. And if you stick to that, you've got a chance. If you don't and you, the players see you go against those uh, philosophies, uh, you can spend all the money you want, but if you lose, you're not going to spend enough if you lose half the team. It's just going to be fun. Nothing else. Nothing. It's going to be fun to have a new face in the Premier League, right? I and mean, hopefully they, they stick around for a bit and put on a good show. Um, and I'm sure we'll have a few prediction pods over the summer and we'll predict who's going down next season. And uh, always awful because we'll do those before the window closes and it all changes within a few weeks and you all are the idiots. But hey, such is the business of doing podcasts. All right, fellas, anything else you want to get to or should we call it a day? I got to talk about the Indy 500. That's all I wanted to squeeze in there. Make sure I can, you know, You did out. a nice job. You did a nice job. I, I, I alluded to the Leafs a couple of times and that gong show there. But anyway. Um, When's game seven? Tomorrow. Got a prediction? Pathetic, Craig. It was pathetic. The game yesterday was pathetic. I've seen a lot of disappointing league games in my time. But the effort they, they put out up until about 10 minutes left in the third was pathetic. Who the hell do they think they are? Wow. They better bloody win tomorrow. The they were... win it. The Canadian win it. They get outshot. Price stands on his head. And they, uh, they win. Effort. It came down just to effort. And like to me, that just is inexcusable. Inexcusable. So they better freaking turn up tomorrow night or I'm done. I'm Got done. a prediction? You love predictions? Leafs. Give us a prediction. Leaves 3-1. Oh. oh, so they're okay then. <laughs> i got to think they're better. The last two games have been awful. At some point, Matthews must break out, surely. So I'm just thinking the odds are in their favor. But having seen what I saw the last couple of games, I just really yeah. don't know. He'll be joining McDavid and the Red, you know, those stars as well. Yeah, Golfing. Exactly. Yeah, golfing. Forget Seriously. being a goalkeeping coach. You should use your celebrity status to be a golf coach for these hockey guys. You'd be working all the time. That's true. Yeah, Craig. What are you waiting for, for Craig Six? Become a professional golf coach. How hard could that be? That would, that'd be something I should start getting into. Well, you know what? You could probably, I'm sure being six foot four, six foot five is a very different, golf's a very different game to someone who's six foot, right? You could just like kind of target these, these tall hockey players and say, listen, I will make your, you know, you're, you're a bit of a freak. You're a bit tall. But I'll make you into a half decent golfer. That could be your end. Why? Why is it you, tall people you can say anything to? It's true, isn't it? I know. Hey, not short, not fat, but if oh, you're tall, oh, you're a freak. Fat, mm. you're like all like. But if you slaughter somebody for being tall, and look at you, aren't you tall? Well, it's, it's because we're all a little bit jealous of tall people, right? Yeah, but we're not jealous of of little fellas or fat people, right? This comes down to be like, oh man, you're six four. That's a good height, six four. You know, you're imposing, a bit intimidating, six four. Walk into a room, you're stared at. That's cool. I wouldn't mind being six foot four, but you never say, oh, I wish I was five foot three. Really, apart from when I'm flying on planes. You mean when you watch Jefferson Soteldo and Sebastian Javinko, you don't think, <laughs> ah, if I was tiny, I could have done this. You asked, yeah. <laughs> Who's right, too smaller, Javinko or Soteldo? If I was on a plane, five foot three. 
yeah, that's a good height, isn't it? I asked you before if going out in England when you were out in places and people didn't didn't know who you were, did they assume you were a basketball player? Um, no. That was your exact response when I asked it the first time. Yeah, I think, I think they just thought I was a, a freak. Well, in England, though, basketball, especially back when Craig was there, I mean, it wasn't really a, a well-known sport at all. It wasn't that's, even, it wasn't anything. That's what I'm saying. Right. But I mean, how many, how many times have you been in, out and you see someone who's seven foot tall and you, you think? You yeah, here, over here, you, you assume basketball, maybe volleyball, right? But you assume that's, that's the sport, right, over here. Yes. Whereas in England, what is the default career for a tall person in England? I'm trying to think what it is. Banker. To look, to look down on the peasants, that's it. <laughs> Scum think, in the back. Uh, I think in the States, one in seven seven-footers are in the uh, NBA. <laughs> is that wow. what it is? Wow. When mm. was the last time you saw a seven-footer, though? Like, I mean, they are, they are rare. Yeah, there aren't many of them. Do the they're math. All it's the like, they're, they're all in the NBA. They're all in the NBA. You did ask, uh, talking about height, we can finish on this. Who's smaller? Jefferson Soteldo was listed at 5'2", and Seba was listed at 5'4". But I stood, I stood next to him, and I had a foot on him. Yeah. Uh, and Soteldo, if Soteldo's listed at 5'2", that must mean he's 4'11". So is that... You always list up. Everyone lists up. Look at the NBA. Kyle Lowry's listed at 6'1". He's, he's the same height as me. He's shorter than me. Mm-hmm. Steve Nash was listed at 6'1", also yeah. shorter than 6 feet tall. If he's four so, eleven, he could be the smallest professional footballer in the history of the world. Even smaller than Matthew Valbuena. Oh, I don't tiny. know. Let's put them together. Let's put put them together. Back to back. That that's it. That this should be the segment. How small are you? Brought to you by Footy Prime. <laughs> Pay to get these guys to stand back to back. How small, really? That really, yeah. Like even like hockey, especially. Uh, you know, he's he's six foot. But, you know, they're not. They're five foot ten. On skates, they might be six foot. That's the bullshit. Be honest, for Christ's sakes. Would anyway. You be, would you rather be tall and ugly or short and good looking? <sighs> wow, that's a good... Well, that's a really good question, Craig. Yourself short and... How uh, short are we talking? How, I, how short are we talking? Like, minus, like, below five five? But Tom Cruise, is he's small, right? But he's good looking. Would you rather be Tom Cruise or would you rather be, I don't know, Stephen Merchant? <laughs> Who isn't that ugly, really, but he plays the ugly yes, role quite well. Yeah, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, there's a lot of these seven-foot guys in the NBA. They're just like, yeah, they're all pretty ugly, aren't they? They're hideous. They've got the weird mouth. They've got teeth. Look, as someone, as someone who is average height, very good looking, and horrendously athletic, I feel like I have the most expertise on this, and I would choose Tom Cruise. I would be- yeah, I think you're right. I think I'd rather be smaller but good looking than tall and ugly. I think because if you're really tall oh, and ugly, not only you walk into a room and you're, you're noticed. First of all, wow, that's a tall person, and then it's oh my god, he's really ugly as well. Well, usually you see, like, especially white guys, if they get over like six seven, usually they go all kind of freaky, yeah. a little bit kind of like a, a gargoyleish. Yeah. What is it, Peter Crouch? He he had that great line. They said, "What would you be if you weren't a footballer?" And he said, "Probably a virgin." <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what a great line! Great line. <laughs> Although Crouchy actually, for a guy so tall, looks quite normal, really, doesn't he? 
Well, he's, he's got a great personality, personality too, so he's got that, that helps. Yeah, form. yeah, he's one of those freaks that actually are really tall, but actually isn't too gargoyly. Anyway, on that note, they had shirts that fit him. I bet he was at the club and he would put his shirts on and he'd be like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" And he's like, he's got his arms like this. It's like none of the shirts fit him. If they no, actually no. fit him, it would look better. Yeah, it must be hard shopping, right? It must be hard shopping. Just finding a good, good pair of jeans difficult. He played in the wrong era, though, for shirts. He, he just played in the wrong era. But could Kappa make a you know a big tall man version of a of a two XL? I don't know if Kappa could do that. Or Puma. Well, it would have to be a special make because guys like him, their wingspan is large longer than their height, right? Is that is, is that what it is? Is it longer? The wingspan. Your your height is usually exactly the same as your wingspan, but it's not for those guys. No, it's longer. They're actually longer. Really, that's interesting. Yeah. So I'm so I'm like six feet. So my I'm tip like fingertip to fingertip is six feet. You have to measure it. We should do that next time we get in the garage. We'll get the tape measure out. Hey, put it on it. If you put it on the ground, do it that way. I guess so. Up the wall. Get your daughter to mark it. <laughs> Look, Greg, not Greg Sutton's six six inches more longer on his wingspan. Really? What about you? Me? Yeah. No, I'm normal. So you measured? You, you've actually measured? When? Really? So you're normal. You're six foot four wingspan and height. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, oh. Six foot five. Are you six five or six four? Six five. As you were when you played, you could have shrunk a bit getting old now forest wins again eh you just uh you're tall but you're not too tall that you look gargoyleish a good looking tall guy and you got a normal wingspan so uh you're not a freak in that regard (laughs) yeah craig you know what craig you're not a freak (laughs) there can be some medical issues with guys like that too you know backs necks heart oh heart enlarged hearts no well think about it your limbs and pumping blood to the oh right what is beyond the norm normal yeah. yeah is that why andre the giant died younger than he should have done i think it was more that he was just fucking large yeah it's massive his heart couldn't handle it at all could it just enormous right. he was like a big great dane they don't live long do they six years is tragic yeah you get a lovely great dane puppy and dead in six years Awful. Or seven. If you're lucky. Frankie had one. Yeah, I love Great Dane. Yeah. Remember what Sophie was around there, right? <clears throat> My partner. And uh, we were sitting there watching TV, doing whatever with Frank and Karen. And the dog came over and actually freaking got her on the ground. Like she was sitting down on the ground next to the couch. And like mounted her and she couldn't fucking move. <laughs> <laughs> she was screaming for help. She was getting raped by a fucking great thing. And we were just like, <laughs> we didn't do nothing. We were just, just laughing at her. Oh, no. He was laughing at her. Yeah, he was like, he had her pinned. Just <laughs> spilling wine on the white sofa, just laughing. Yeah, That's yeah. some image. Yeah. The dog, dog had 80 pounds on her. Oh, that was just as nuts. <laughs> I tell you, you, uh, you footballers got up to all sorts of weird stuff. Apparently, my yeah. God! 
all the all the talk we had about you know long limbs, long body parts, and that. And I thought, man, good thing Wonger's not on here because we we would have been talking about dicks twenty minutes ago. There's no doubt about and, it. And no sure enough, it. we'll finish the show on dogs' balls, heavy dog balls. It's a great way to end the show, actually, isn't it? The dogs' bollocks, otherwise known as footy prime. Thank you. Bye. Do you run out of ideas like Jose Mourinho after two seasons on the job? Never run out of dinner ideas again. Throw a pie in the oven. A Charmin's Proper Pie. Pop in at our two Toronto locations or sign up for delivery across the GTA. Check out charmansproper.ca.